Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. This story I'm about to tell you tonight is called My Grandfather Spoke Dozens of Languages. His final words were a warning in a language no one's heard of. From user Max Voynich, sit back, relax, and fall asleep as you listen to our tales. There are certain things you just can't forget. You must have seen those clips of old musicians deep in the grips of Alzheimer's who spring to life when they hear an old tune, suddenly able to find the correct keys on the piano even when they can't even remember their own name. For my grandfather, it was languages. He might not remember much, might not be able to tell an old friend from a nurse, but if you spoke to him in French or Italian, Mandarin or Arabic, he'd reply fluently without missing a beat, even if it was just to ask where he was or who you were. I don't know quite how many languages he actually knew. It must have been upwards of a dozen, easily. He couldn't write all too well, but something in his mind meant words and their meanings just came easy to him. I was trying to record his talent on the day he died. I had no idea it would happen, but I thought it might be a nice way for our family to remember him. I'd learned a few phrases in about 15 different languages and had them written down in a small book, phonetically so that there was no way I'd make a mistake. It was the same day Artie decided to show up. My grandfather's old best friend, a man my father only vaguely remembered, but who was mentioned in my grandfather's journals over and over again, until he stopped writing. Artie was tall, very tall, and had to stoop to enter the room, which meant his coat, which was dripping wet, left a thin film of water on the doorframe. He was soaked to the bone, even the hair under his hat. My father made a limp joke, caught in the rain. Something like that. He seemed a little younger than my grandfather, but that was to be expected. Artie could still walk, and my grandfather had survived on a diet of neat whiskey and cigarettes for his whole life. The two were practically night and day. Artie had this way about him, this neatness in even the most basic movements. The way he moved reminded me of origami. It seemed that in every move he made he was folding more and more of himself he was constantly folding into the next moment and the next. He didn't say anything to my grandfather, instead gave him space and sat in a chair in the corner and had a hushed conversation with my father as I started up my recording. My grandfather was fairly lucid that day, and although he had a lot of questions he was amiable, not scared, and I could see him get excited whenever we changed languages. We made our way from English to French, through Europe via Germany and Italy through Arabic and Mandarin, and I was about to start on the more obscure languages when my grandfather began to cough, a deep, wet cough that started in his stomach and then stuck in his throat. The machine next to him started making all sorts of strange noises, or rhythmic buzzes and beeps at a frantic pace, and my father stood up and went straight to the bed, holding his hand and speaking to him softly and Artie stood up and walked over, going for my father's other hand. I didn't know what to do, I'd never been in a situation like this, and I sat in stunned silence as the nurses entered and tried to calm everyone down. Tried to calm him down, trying to give him some selection of pills, but there was nothing they could do. My grandfather seemed possessed. He sat up, wrenching some of the tubes and wires out of the wall, hands and body shaking, 
and began to speak, facing straight ahead, in a language that was unlike anything I'd ever heard. It sounded like two languages at once, contradicting sounds fighting, different patterns so that words would seem to be spoken partially on an in-breath. It was like his mouth and tongue were spasming against each other. The words were alien but the tone was clear, something was wrong. He kept going for a while, clutching my father's hand, eyes wide, whatever he was speaking getting faster and faster and faster until he seemed to tire himself out. With a low moan, he lay back and took his last, rattling breath. People say that grief fills your every waking moment, takes up whole weeks and months, years, even. They're wrong. Grief empties your life. Empties your life until there's nothing left but staring down the barrel of another week with this, with this weight on your chest and this absence in your life. And every day feels like it stretches on and on and on forever, without them. This is maybe why I became so obsessed with the recording. I know it's a little morbid, maybe even verging on insensitive but I couldn't get that language out of my head. My father had called it nonsense. Artie had just shrugged as if to say no clue, and from the pain in my father's eyes, I'd decided not to mention it again. He didn't need this. Not now. I tried phonetically typing out words from it online, but that didn't come up with anything. I tried listening to recordings of hundreds of languages on various databases, but none sounded anything like it. There was something about the way the language made the mouth work against itself like you were trying to swallow every word you spoke. That made it sound like no other language I could find. The more I thought about it, the more I thought about why he'd been speaking it. It was like something had shocked him, like he'd seen something and it had all come pouring out, like a burst pipe. I thought about Artie. He and my grandfather had stopped speaking a long, long time ago. I knew that much. I knew that they'd been thick as thieves, had been through some shit as my father tactfully put it one evening. Ardid appeared almost out of nowhere, looking to reconnect with my grandfather, and we'd been more than happy to oblige. Thought maybe they could put it all to rest at last. It was one of my grandfather's biggest regrets, the way he and Artie parted. Unfortunately, we never got that far, but I wondered if Artie knew something about the language my grandfather was speaking. I found a contact number for Artie's family tucked away in an old address book and made the call. To my surprise, it went through. A woman's voice answered, sounded around my age, tired. Yeah, hi there. Sorry, I know this is strange, but I'm Alan Boynish's grandson. Max, my grandfather was a friend of your grandfather's. I was wondering if I could speak to Artie. You're a Voynich. She spat out my surname like it was made of dirt. Paused before continuing. Bold of you to call. You of all families should know you can't speak to Artie. Not anymore. I didn't understand the hostility. I was confused. Artie had seemed in a good place when we'd seen him. Sure, there'd been something strange about him but I thought whatever had happened between them was in the past. Sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. Let's start again, what's your name? She was reluctant but replied, Amy, Amy, look, I met Artie a couple of weeks ago. He was there when my grandfather passed. I know there was some history between them, but he seemed to want to fix it. I just want to ask him a couple of questions. For closure, there was silence on the other end. Just five minutes of his time, I think he'd appreciate it. She cut me off. What the fuck do you think you're doing? How dare you? Is this some sort of joke? A prank? Do you have any respect? I tried to interject, to explain myself, but she continued. I never knew my grandfather, Max. Artie died before I was born. A beat, and then, go fuck yourself. I didn't sleep well that night. 
There was a storm, and I dreamt of a figure in the rain, tall and pale, soaked to the bone, making its way towards me. I dreamt of rivers and canals and wells overflowing with dirty, gray water. In my half-sleep, I could hear the language, the contradictory sounds that it was comprised of, and the sound of the rain against my window, and the gurgling of the pipes in the walls. When morning came, there was a small puddle at the bottom of my bedroom door, and the doorframe was dripping wet. Must have had a leak. I didn't want to think of the alternative. I didn't mention any of this to anyone. I didn't think it would help anything. What would it accomplish? My father was dealing with his own private grief, and the rest of my family were too. Maybe there'd been a mistake. Maybe the man had been Artie's son or a relative, and we'd misunderstood. Part of me knew that wasn't true. And so I became more obsessed with discovering this language, as each time I remembered the scene I'd recorded it became clearer and clearer in my mind that my grandfather was speaking to Artie, that he was desperately trying to communicate something, and that it was so urgent he used his last breaths to do it. I became obsessed with the recording, and that's, to put it mildly, I spend my days in the library, poring through books on linguistics, on the foundations of language, studying histories of forgotten languages. Maybe I just needed something to fill my time. Sometimes I felt watched, and I'd think that I could catch phrases or strains of the language in the dripping of taps, or the sound of tires running through puddles. It was outside the library that I found an answer, though. Not the answer, but an answer nonetheless. I was chaining cigarettes, sheltering under a huge tree behind the library, listening to the recording out loud. I hadn't been sleeping well, nightmares and all that, and so I often forgot things. Headphones, for example. I looked up to see a figure shambling towards me. As it got closer I could recognize a few features, tattered coat, missing teeth, big smile. Dot. Everyone knew Dot. He'd spent his life battling a heroin addiction and you could find him on any given day wandering the main streets in town looking for a bit of change. Or a smoke. Spare a smoke, Max. I flashed him a small smile and held out the pack. I was listening to the last ten seconds, trying to work out what the change in tone indicated. Had it been a question, some bizarre form of syntax. I was so deep in my own head that I almost didn't hear Dot speak up. Why's a boy like you listening to Gutter? I shook my head. I thought he had this confused for some sort of experimental music. It's not a band or anything, Dot. Sorry. He looked a little offended. I know what it is, Gutter. What's a boy like you listening to Gutter for? My heart leaped. He had a name for it. He knew what this was. Dot, what do you mean, Gutter? I've been trying to find out what this is for weeks. There are no records of it. He looked at my pack of cigarettes, shrugged. Rolling my eyes, I gave him another, which he stashed behind his ear. Every homeless knows gutter. Every crook too. But there are no records. He laughed. Wouldn't be. Not the kind of thing you keep a record of. Dirty language. The recording was playing quietly on loop, and we could both hear the faint sounds of gutter coming from my phone speaker. Dot continued. See how it sounds like his throat's being crushed. Just a little. Sounds like he's got two tongues. I nodded. Gutters two languages in one. Means one thing to some folk, one thing to others. What's the distinction? Dot paused, taking the second cigarette from behind his ear and lighting it, sucking on it for a long time until I could hear the tip sizzle. The rain was falling harder now, lashing the earth and the brick walls behind us. They say it's if you kill a man. Something changes up here, he tapped his head and you can just hear it different. Killin' changes a man in more ways than one. Another long drag. 
It's used by all the wrong sorts to communicate. Guess you can't fake killing someone. Not too popular though, seeing as it makes it fairly obvious the reason you're speaking it in the first place. Which version can you understand? Dot held up his hands and turned them over in the dim light. No blood on these. Can you understand anything he's saying? In the recording, Dot strained to listen for a while and then shook his head. Doesn't make much sense in the gutter I know. Nonsense phrases. Then Dot spoke slowly as if he was translating what he could hear my father saying. A well goes deep and deeper still. Shit like that. Nonsense. I frowned. This all began to feel dark like there were histories buried here that I didn't want to explore. Bones I didn't want to dig up. Warnings I'd missed. But I couldn't stop now. I was so close. And I knew now that this all meant something. My stomach turned. The rain began to find a strange rhythm, like footsteps. Footsteps that grew closer with each beat of the wind. You should stay away from gutter, boy. Forget about this. Somewhere in the distance, a car alarm started. Dot continued, as if to himself. Dirty language. He spat. You know what they say about gutter. I didn't. There are only two occasions in his life a good man should speak gutter. If he's bargaining for his life. Dot turned, looked straight at me. Or for his soul. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels and a blessed day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.